Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we'll pick up where we left off in chapter 8 of the book of Mark. We just left off where Jesus fed 4,000 people by multiplying thousands of meals from a few fish and loaves. Jesus and the disciples immediately left that place by boat. And when they went ashore again, Jesus encountered more of the hypocritical Pharisees of the day. They intended to test and to discredit him, of course. Ironically, after all the healings and casting out of demons that Mark already recorded, the Pharisees were seeking a sign of his divine authority. Interesting how you can present all the evidence in the world to a hard-hearted and sinful mindset, and the bondage to sin won't allow anything to change that mind. This phenomenon has never changed. And as Jesus warns in this passage, we must still be on the alert to those who wear all the trappings of religion and may even speak the language, but reject Jesus as their Lord and their God by holding fast to sin and disobeying God. Here is today's slice of the message entitled, Spiritual Poison. Come with us, please, to Mark chapter 8, where we're going to bite off another paragraph today. When we left the Gospel of Mark last week, we saw where Jesus had just performed two wonderful miracles to the east of the Sea of Galilee in the region called Decapolis, or Ten Cities. It was part of a a span of a couple of months, it seems, that Jesus spent walking through Gentile territory and training the apostles along the way. There isn't very much recorded in the Gospels about that period of time, but what we do have, it makes it clear that Jesus was preparing the disciples to understand that the Gospel is not for the Jews only. Uh, the, The Savior comes from the Jews, but that was not to be the end of the path. That was the conduit through whom the Savior, through which the the Savior would come. And so the gospel is for the whole world. Now today, we're going to see them re-enter very briefly the Jewish area of the region of Galilee. The training is continuing, and Jesus is going to use another attack from the Pharisees, and He's going to use a a metaphor for bad spiritual influences to, to train the apostles, and everything He says to them applies to us. He's going to warn of several forms of spiritual poison. Not a terribly difficult passage to outline, Mark chapter 8, verses 10 through 21, starts out with Him confronting the Pharisees or the Pharisees confronting Him and demanding that He show them a sign. And then He's going to talk about hazardous spiritual influences under three categories, leaven of Pharisees, leaven of Herod, and leaven of Sadducees. It starts with uh, the reference to show us a sign, but before the, the teaching part of our text comes the, the chronological connection. 
right after we finished off, or where we finished off last week, chapter 8, verse 9, verse 10 says, And immediately he entered the boat with his disciples. And there you get again the boat, probably a specific boat, one of the fishing boats of the guys that they traveled on. Entered the boat with his disciples and came to the district of Dalmanutha. Now, we can't be absolutely dogmatic about the location of Dalmanutha, but trust me, you can get to heaven without being able to pinpoint Dalmanutha on a map. Matthew uses the name Magadan for this same place in his version of this uh, event. Um, And the best evidence is that it's somewhere between Magdala, that's where Mary Magdalene came from, and Capernaum. So we know it's along the northern rim of the, of the Sea of Galilee, and there wasn't apparently very much there. But immediately, when Jesus comes back into Israeli territory, guess what happened? Verse 11, the Pharisees came out. And why? And began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. They didn't need another sign. They'd had thousands. They weren't trying to find information. It was to test him. It was to argue with him. It was to try to discredit him in the eyes of of the people around. They had already rejected Jesus. They had uh, stated it in public in the nastiest way possible. They hated him. We know what they were doing. They were just trying to pick a fight and make Jesus look bad. Now, from Matthew, we learn that not only was a group of Pharisees, but there were some Sadducees with them. Now, that's significant. And you might say, well, if it's significant, then why doesn't Mark mention the Sadducees? Well, Mark was writing for a Roman audience. Matthew was writing for a Jewish audience. Matthew's readers understood the distinctions between the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the other groups among the the Jews. Mark's uh, readers, it didn't matter to them. He'd been... He had mentioned to them the many times the Pharisees had confronted him, so he just mentions the Pharisees. But it is significant that the Pharisees and Sadducees together confronted Jesus because they hated each other. They, uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees disagreed on nearly every theological point, and both groups resented the other. The, the Sadducees resented the the breadth and depth of the influence that the Pharisees had on the people because the Pharisees controlled what went on in the synagogues and the Pharisees controlled training the rabbis. But the Pharisees resented the Sadducees because the Sadducees had a stranglehold on the priesthood and on the operations of the temple. Um, The only thing that the Sadducees and Pharisees ever agreed upon, the only thing they ever worked together upon was, we have to kill Jesus. He was a threat to both of them, and you're going to see what it was about them that Jesus warns against. So together they, they came out and began to argue with Him, to test Him, just to, just to try to cause a problem. They lost every previous argument they ever had with Jesus over every point of doctrine that they ever brought up. Uh, they, 
rejected outright what Jesus had explained to them about Himself from the Scriptures. They rejected all of His miracles, all of the manifestations of His, of his deity. So the evidence was overwhelming, but their willful resolution, uh, their willful rejection, I should say, was absolutely resolute. Uh, but they never gave up. This time they come and they're seeking a sign from heaven. Every miracle Jesus did was a sign. Every miracle Jesus did was a sign, and He was the one sent from heaven. But what's the deal about demanding another sign and and calling it a sign from heaven? Well, it could be based on the fact that there was a Jewish belief that claimed that demons could mimic earthly miracles. Now, that's an interesting concept, an earthly miracle. I mean, isn't a miracle supernatural? Isn't it beyond earthly? But they said, well, like um, Pharaoh's magicians mimicked the first couple of plagues that God sent on Egypt through Moses. So demons could mimic that kind of miracle, but only God could work wonders in the sky. The Pharisees and Sadducees could, could not deny that Jesus had performed miracles, but they said, He does everything He does by the power of Satan. So that's what they're getting at. Now, what might they have wanted? Well, they could say, well, let Him provide manna as God did through Moses. Well, Jesus has already talked about that. It's bread of life. Or... Let him pray and cause the sun and moon to stand still, like in Joshua chapter 10. Well, that was in a battle situation. That wasn't exactly what Jesus was here to deal with. Or maybe let him cause a cloudburst, as in the days of Deborah and Barak, so that it appeared that even the stars fought from heaven for Israel. Well, you know, Jesus did pray up a couple of whopper storms and then calmed them miraculously. But, oh, that doesn't count. Or maybe he could pray down a thunderstorm like Samuel did in 1 Samuel chapter 7, or let him call down fire from heaven like Elijah in 1 Kings 18. He could have done all those things. He did all of those things because he is God. But none of them would have convinced those people. And Jesus wasn't about to play their game. So we read on in verse 12 of Mark 8, sighing deeply in his spirit. You just see the... Yeah, he, he, I think he probably really enjoyed those last several weeks or a couple of months while he was out of Israel and he wasn't dealing with these guys all the time. And now he comes back and right away they're in his face again and just... <sighs> Why does this generation seek for a sign. Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Now, he'd already given thousands of signs to that generation, but he's specifically talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And if you compare this again with Mark 16, he calls it an evil and adulterous situation. And again, Matthew provides details for his Jewish audience that that Mark doesn't. Matthew also includes that Jesus did say there would be no sign except for the sign of Jonah. Remember, Jonah is a picture of 
Jesus' resurrection. They didn't believe it when he first said it to them. They didn't accept it on the day that he said it. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.